0: Hey, Sister Sandy. This is an old man from North Mississippi that's been listening to you for years. I love you. I pray for you, and I hope you keep on doing what you're doing, but you did open up the line for complaints, and I do have a complaint. The complaint I have is that I don't get to listen to you every morning like I used to, and that is a selfish complaint. (laughs) I love you. Keep up the good work thank you sister.
1: All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24/7. That was the sweetest complaint I ever got. And so I want to thank you. Uh thank you so much my get, my caller from uh, North Mississippi. That was just like a that was like s- sweet syrup on a on a on a pancake. Um but thank you. That was so sweet of you. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I did a daily morning show for a number of years, and so many of the listeners were people who listened to that, and some of you are new, and you you don't know about that, but that's what the basis of that is. We have been on the air probably now doing the podcast for, uh, we're into our second month here, and we are so grateful for your response. It's really been a fun, and we are really enjoying it, and the we I'm talking about is my husband and I, and I'll introduce him shortly after we uh, talk to our next guest, but there is some very important news Um, That really, I think, will affect. uh, It certainly be of interest to each and every one of you. You, I don't need to tell you that this whole issue of gender is washing over our culture like, like. Well, let's just say it's spreading like cancer. I think that's probably a better comparison. Uh, The whole notion that you can change your gender, or that you uh, that you can have your breasts removed or other parts added if you're a a a, a girl who born a girl. It's uh, so distorted. And so disturbing, it's creating a generation of kids who will grow up not to be able to have children, uh, not to be able to function normally sexually, who will be so confused, uh, who are currently confused. And the irony of it is that in many parts of our country, there was a movement, there has been a movement to stop any licensed counselor from counseling any person who comes to them that's confused about gender, other than saying, uh, if you... Want to be a man, you should do that. But they cannot tell you that you shouldn't do that. They cannot tell you that there are just two genders. Or if you're confused about your sexuality in general, you're a a guy who's attracted to guys. You can't go to a counselor in many areas of this country and get counseling. And If you're a Christian and you're conflicted and you want help to work it through and the counselor dares to talk to you about God's design for sexuality, it's been made illegal in many parts of this country well all of that until recently when a court case was won and we're going to talk about that today so i hope that you'll stay tuned but meanwhile let me just tell you we said we've been we're in our second month here and i want you to know that preborn has uh you know come behind the show to be our sponsor we're so happy about that and with your help we have already in less than 2 months here saved three the lives of 300 babies so that's that's what you have been doing when you've been uh, making your donations. You go to preborn dot com slash sandy preborn dot com slash sandy, and that's how you make the donation. You know, you've heard a lot about saving babies since I started this podcast, and that's because it's important to me personally. And I, I I think we have to save these babies. I just can't. I can hardly bear it myself. I'll never forget that image I saw when I was 21 by accident of a baby torn in pieces. I will never forget that as long as I live. It's like a it's like a, a piece of pornography emblazoned in my heart and mind. We have to stop this. We have to stop it. And so Preborn has a very unique way of doing that. What they do is they go into crisis pregnancy centers around the country and they provide ultrasounds for women who are not sure if they want to go through with the pregnancy. They're unsure. They're not, their circumstances are difficult and they don't know if they can keep the baby or if they want to keep the baby. And with an ultrasound, which is very high definition, uh, they are able to see, moms are able to see their babies in a very new way. Uh, it has revolutionized, really, the, the movement that wants to save babies' lives. And so if you'd like to help pre-born provide these ultrasounds for these women, all it costs is $28 for one ultrasound. It's $140 if you can afford that to save five babies' lives. And the lives of the moms, too. You know, Preborn talks to the moms about their spiritual condition, too, that there is a God, a creator. The deeper issues of life and many women's lives have been transformed. Something like 200,000 have come to receive Christ through the message and ministry of Preborn. So if you'd like to help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. And just a few more things. If you'd like to call and leave a message like our friend from Mississippi did a few minutes ago, you can call 662 662- 821-2040, that's 662 821 or you can write us at sandy at afr.net, that's sandy at afr.net. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Getter, True Social, YouTube or Rumble. Uh, you can find us at home at afr.net to listen to the podcast, or you can go to Apple or or Spotify, or Amazon, or any of your favorite platforms. So there. And you also can go to sandyrios.com, which kind of has a synopsis of all the things that we're doing and places that you can find the podcast. So I hope that's helpful next time. When we start the podcast, you might want to bring your pencil and paper for all that information. Thanks for your patience and all of that. And thanks for participating with us in so many different ways. All right. So, so meanwhile, I hope you'll sit back and relax. And Stay tuned for this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And
2: here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think
1: the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness.
2: Okay, so first of all, I will say that the process, the journey is ongoing and probably will be for potentially her entire life. But here's how it started. So she was uh, designated, assigned, observed male at birth. And until about 18 months, didn't really you know, know too much, just kind of was raising two kids, working full time, not really paying attention to what was going on. And at around 18 months, started she started showing signs of, like, really being interested in things that her sister had and had in her closet and wanting to play dress-up and wanting to put on lip gloss. And when she would see fingernails, she would want her fingernails painted too. And, you know, we just – we thought it was cute. No issue. We had no issue with, you know, her wanting to do those kinds of things. Um, and then around the age of two, things started to progress at a quicker pace. And so each time that we would go to pick her up from preschool – She was fully outfitted in dresses and jewelry. And so I will say I was super stoked that we had such a wonderful childcare center that she was in because she was allowed to, you know, experiment with her gender and play dress up and do those kinds of things and have access to them. So when I would go to pick her up from preschool, like I said, she would be dripping in, you know, just jewelry and clicky shoes and all kinds of stuff. And getting her to take that off to go home was usually a pretty gnarly struggle, Uh, And then around the age of four, she started wanting to wear like leggings and headbands. She had this one headband she was completely attached to that she felt. I I look back on it now and think to myself, gosh, I wonder when she put that that headband on, she thought to herself, people see me for who I am, no one's going to misgender me now. Um, And so it it progressed, it just kept moving in that direction with more and more things that started showing more and more signs. Um, She would say, when I wake up tomorrow, I'll be a girl. And we were kind of like, Oh, okay, yeah. And my husband and I would be like, we got to we got to figure this thing out. And so kind of for that final test, my husband decided, you know what, we're going to figure this thing out, we're going to We're going to tap into this and see what happens. So he said, you know, I'm going to coach a t-ball team and I want her to be on it. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. Well, that didn't go over so well. She not only hated T-ball, she hated the uniform. She hated the hat. We found everything in the trash multiple times. Um, She was, you couldn't get her out the door uh, to go play on Saturday mornings. And so uh, eventually I thought at one point, well, okay, well, what if I let you wear your leggings and a tank top underneath? And we can, as soon as the game's over, you can take your uniform off. And she was like okay. So she wore the headband. She didn't wear the hat. She wore the headband. She wore the clothes underneath her uniform. And she would go to the game and she would stand there. And as soon as it was like, game over, she would rip those clothes, you know, that uniform off and stand and proud in her tank top and her leggings. Um, And very shortly after that, she told us she was a girl. And we believe her.
1: That astounding clip was from Libs of TikTok. A mother excited about her son dressing up like a girl, excited that the school, the preschool where he, she is attending is allowing him to explore his gender, excited that he has now declared to them that he is a girl. What kind of future does that child have? And yet that child in that story, the the son of that woman who just shared with us is a representative of thousands, if not, well, hundreds of thousands of young people who are being poured into a pot a confusion. And now here's the part of the story we want to talk about today. There doesn't have to be confusion because there are two genders only, but try to tell children that now. Try to be a parent and tell them that. Try to be a teacher and tell them that. And try to be a counselor and help them to work through that confusion and see what happens to you For many people that I know in that business, they have been, uh, they've lost their licenses, they've lost their reputation because they tried to counsel confused kids, like the little boy described by this horrific mother, neglectful. Um, And so joining me this morning is someone who knows a lot about this and has spent a lot of time in the court system actually fighting on behalf of those people who would take the risk, be willing. Uh, to counsel kids that there there are only two genders, and to help them to see clearly how what God has made them to be. His name is Matt Staver. He is the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Matt, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you, Sandy. It's good to be with you.
1: Well, it's great to talk to you, Matt. I I want to give you a fuller uh, a fuller introduction. Uh, not not the you have a very long bio. You've done so many incredible things, and you you and I have fought a lot of battles uh, in this country together through the years, but Liberty Council has just done astounding work and I think one of the things that people could identify you with is your 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 defense of mil- the military who have na- Navy Seals uh case where uh, they were being forced to take the vaccination all the harm that came from that you you took that on and had some great victories and we'll talk about that on a different day but you are uh, you have argued I think at least three major cases in the Supreme Court haven't you
0: Yes, that's right. The most recently argued uh, case in 2022, we got a 9-0 decision involving a flag um, in the city of Boston, and that case also was used to overturn a 51-year-old terrible precedent called Lemon versus Kurtzman. So it is a new day for religious freedom, for religious symbols, displays, and other kinds of religious expression as a result of that case.
1: You know, I, Matt. Honestly, you are the bright spot uh, among so many dreary headlines because I think people are hearing. There are so many losses, too many to recount. Uh, too many people being persecuted. Too many people, you know, being thrown in jail, losing their jobs, uh, canceled, uh, doxed. You know, fill in the blank. Certainly, in the in the the uh, l- the legal world, I'm sure a lot of your acquaintances have. Probably suffered a great deal for the work that they 've done, and you are really providing a bright spot of a lot of victories have uh, why, what do you say what, what do you attribute that to i mean why, why do you think that you 've had so many victories
0: Well, we have been persistent and we don 't ever give up, and we don 't ever get down and We think if we have a setback in one situation instead of just giving up and going home and walking off the field, we strategize on how to set the stage over time to gain victory. So, for example, the case that I argued and had a 9-0 decision regarding the Christian viewpoints of raising a Christian flag in a public forum where everything was allowed except for Christian viewpoints, uh, that literally goes back three decades. And so it was planning, strategically working— month after month, year after year, that also is the same with regards to the abortion decision. You know, you have setbacks, you have victories, you have setbacks and victories, but you keep on moving forward again and again and again, and it's a multifaceted approach, both from litigation, from public policy, from elections, from all of this working together. And then it all comes together in 2022, strengthening free speech, strengthening the free exercise clause, overturning this terrible lemon test that goes back to 1971 that perverted the establishment clause overturning Roe v. Wade. That was generations in the making, but it'll have generational impact. So we are very aggressive in what we do. We don't ever give up. And if we have a setback, we just uh, look at the landscape and figure out how we can do something different, better, and continue to press forward. And for example, the counseling issue that you're talking about is one of those situations. In fact, we filed the very first challenge to a counseling ban in California in 2012. should have been a very clear case. We should have won that at the Court of Appeals, but the Ninth Circuit went the other way. Then we filed another one at the Second Circuit. The Second Circuit out of New Jersey, again, went the other way, but for a different reason. The Supreme Court decided not yet to take it up, but then we continued to litigate with regards to crisis pregnancy centers in California. The Supreme Court did take up that case. And the argument was there, same thing. Well, these are licensed, so therefore you don't have as much free speech, just like licensed counselors. We can restrict your speech. If you're licensed as a pregnancy center, an, an abortion you know, a clinic or a pregnancy center, we can, we can regulate what you do. So we're going to force you to speak abortion language, even though you're pro-life. The Supreme Court rejected that. And they actually cited the two cases that we litigated, and they overturned them. Now we continue to litigate, and we file cases making the same arguments and giving even more information from the counselors and the clients about how these laws restrict free speech and they harm individuals. And we win twice now. Uh, We just won the most recent one a couple of weeks ago at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals that governs Florida. Georgia and Alabama, those are binding on that uh, uh, tri-state area. And it's persuasive evidence on the rest of the country. So we want to get one of these back to the U.S. Supreme Court to strike it down across the board. But the bottom line is governments are trying to push this LGBTQ agenda, and we've seen that. It can be very discouraging. And this lady that you uh, had as the interview that was on Libs of TikTok, That's the kind of propaganda that's out there. Um, This mother and this father, they're going to regret those decisions to push this little child or even allow this little child to go down this confused state. Because there's going to come a time when that child ultimately grows out of that. In fact, 85% of all children who are gender confused, like this child, for example, they grow out of that without any counseling whatsoever. So they become very content with how they were born, male or female. Now, you take that little boy and you start putting that boy down this route and you dress him like a girl and you give that boy pronouns like a girl and then change the name to a girl name and then you start giving that little boy puberty blockers that permanently sterilize that boy, cause other physiological and emotional problems. Then you give cross-sex hormones. In this case, you give estrogen, and then you start doing surgical intervention. And then guess what? Then that boy ultimately, like Chloe, like so many others, they realize this was not the panacea. They have done now irreversible harm to their body And they feel trapped. And so more and more of those stories of people who have been victimized by this LGBTQ agenda are coming out globally. And so, for example, in Missouri, a woman by the name of Jamie Reed, she describes herself as married to a, quote, trans man. She calls herself queer. She says that she is politically left of Bernie Sanders, and so because of her views, she joined a gender clinic to think that she was helping children. After four years, she realized she was harming children. She's now become a whistleblower and reported to the Attorney General of Missouri and the governor, and now there's a multi-agency investigation into this gender clinic in Missouri, Forgiving puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and this mutilating surgery. She says it breaks her heart when a girl comes in a couple months after surgery, having done a double mastectomy, and they're only 14 years of age or so. They're adolescents, teens. And they come back, and now they regret what they did to their bodies, but what they've done is now irreversible. Those kinds of stories, Sandy, are happening globally, happening in Great Britain at the Travestock uh, Clinic. That is being uh, shut down happening now in eight states, Uh, most recently South Dakota and Florida, where those states are banning puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and these mutilating surgeries for minors.
1: You know, uh, this is not – it's new that people know more about this, and certainly it has accelerated. But this has been building for years, you know, as you well know. You said your first case was in 2012. Uh, I think back to – Matt, you remember the story – I think it was PBS who did a long documentary on a doctor in Canada who uh treated uh, identical or twins. They weren't identical. One was a Yes, they were identical. They were both uh boys and one was uh his his uh penis was cut off accidentally during a circumcision. And so the mm-hmm. doctor a different doctor advised that he just be raised as a girl, that that was the only and that mm-hmm. it wouldn't make any difference. So the doctor, the psychiatrist who took charge they gave. This is the first case I know about it. They gave hormones, and there's a whole documentary about it. And no matter what happened, even though it happened as a baby, and they raised him as a as a girl, he grew up to be so conflicted and just. And he finally ended up when he found out what had happened to him. He went back to being uh, a, a boy. Uh, it, it's just the most horrible story. Yeah. But it was an activist psychiatrist who managed all of this, um, and. I just also want to talk a little bit more about our mutual friends who've been in the business of trying to counsel. It's first it started, as from my understanding, with guys who were women and men who were confused about their gender in terms of homosexuality, and there were counselors that were trying to help them through that. That became criminalized, and then it moved to the transgender situation. And that, that case in New Jersey, was that Arthur? I th- think of his last name, but...
0: No, but his uh, situation is very uh, problematic because uh, they had to shut down their organization. Uh, that was a group that it was a Jewish organization that counseled people that were gender confused or they wanted to overcome unwanted same-sex attraction. And then they were sued under a state law with regards to consumer fraud, which is unbelievable. And then they lost to that case and it was so financially expensive that they literally shut down their organization. We actually represented Dr. Tara King, and actually we're getting ready to file another lawsuit in New Jersey um, on behalf of uh, counselors in New Jersey against the law because it's still in existence there that says you cannot – I mean, here's the best way to understand this from a counseling standpoint. Counselors are like a GPS. When you get in your car – your GPS doesn't tell you where to go. You tell the GPS where you want to go. And you can choose whether you want to go into interstates or rural areas or toll roads or not. The GPS then tries to navigate the traffic, whether it's heavy traffic, toll roads, whatever, to get you to the destination. And that's the only job of the GPS. Now imagine getting in your car, and every time you program in a particular address, it always sends you to a opposite 180 degrees. It'll never take you to that address. Well, counselors are like a GPS. The clients come in, they set the agenda, they set the objective. The counselor is there to try to help navigate the traffic, if you will, navigate through the stressors, navigate through the clutter to get you to the objective. So the client comes in and they says, I've got these unwanted attractions to someone of the same sex. And I don't want to have that because that conflicts with my value system, my Christian beliefs, for example. Now, the counselor is there to help you overcome that and to uh, resolve those unwanted conflicts. But in these states that have these laws, the counselor can't do that. The counselor, in fact, has to override you and say, no, 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 no. You need to just accept those unwanted. Well, I don't want to accept them. Well, no, you need to accept them. And if it's your value system, your Christian beliefs that's causing you to have conflict, then let's work on changing your value system. Let's work on changing your Christian beliefs, not your unwanted attractions. And so that's really what these laws do. They come into the counseling situation, and they require the counselor, the GPS, to direct you 180 degrees in the opposite direction. In other words, the counselor can recommend puberty blockers, but the counselor can't recommend having you be comfortable with the birth sex that God designed you to be.
1: Hmm. Matt, you know, uh, I remember when that New Jersey law was passed. I just want to drive this home a little bit more to show people more vividly what a victory you just had and the repercussions of it. Because when the New Jersey law was passed, I remember covering the story quite a bit, actually. And one of the things that they did, of course, they spun this tale about how conversion therapy, which is what they like to call it, was something that churches did and that there was a camp in Indiana uh, that was... uh, Uh, doing all kinds of bizarre things, making people do really bizarre things to change their gender. Uh, And it turns out the person that testified who cried and was so convincing was actually reciting portions of a movie, I think, that had been produced by RuPaul, the famous cross-dresser. So it was all a fraud. Uh, But as a result of that fraudulent testimony, uh, the New Jersey legislature was moved to act and they banned conversion therapy. That's how bizarre this story is. Uh, and since that time, I mean, even in those states, how many states banned, uh, uh, well, I'm not sure exactly, the exact thing to call it is sexual orientation change efforts, right? Is that the correct term Yeah, to use? There,
0: if you look at the states plus the local cities, some of these local cities or counties, for example, where the states have not banned it, they passed laws. Cumulatively, there's about 80 of these laws still in existence. We knocked down about 20 some of those laws just wow. with this one case. Uh, there's about 80 of them left. Uh, that includes about 20-some states, and then the rest of those are local individual counties or cities.
1: And that includes, I mean, that applies to pastors, too, doesn't it? Our pastoral counseling or Christian counseling?
0: It could if uh, it certainly applies to anyone who's licensed. So if you are on the staff and you're a licensed counselor, but you're a pastoral counselor, yes, it does apply to you. And it applies to Christian counseling organizations and ministries that have licensed counselors. They have tried to, and what their agenda is, go beyond minors and go beyond licensed counselors. So they started off with what they considered the lower-hanging fruit, licensed counselors counseling minors. And then they want to go beyond that to anyone, whether you're under 18 or over 18, and then whether you have a license or not. Because in their world, they think or their argument is, well, it's harmful to have this kind of counseling. And if it's harmful for someone under 18, it's going to be harmful for somebody over 18. If it's harmful for somebody who's a professional licensed counselor, then it's harmful to have that by someone who's not a professional licensed counselor. So you see where they're ultimately going, which means that they would get to the pastors who are not licensed uh, as counselors, but they obviously give counsel to the individuals that come to them for counsel.
1: Now, can you go back to this case that you just won? Uh, you, stri- you were able to strike down, the court did, a Tampa counseling ban. Um Kind of, Can you kind of flesh that out just a little bit and what the implications now are of this? Of, of, and what kind of foundation that gives to other states and other, uh, lo- other localities?
0: Well, in this particular case, uh, Tampa passed one, several other cities. Uh, we had a separate case that we won at the Court of Appeals as well involving Boca Raton, Florida, and Palm Beach County, Florida. But they're all basically the same. I mean, there's very little differences in any of these laws. They patterned them after the one in California that began in 2012. So Tampa had this law, and it says that you can't, and they use the word conversion therapy. There is no such term used by counselors. Reparative therapy, conversion therapy, those are not counseling terms. Those are politically motivated terms, and they are used to conjure up in people's mind that something more than just talk is going on in the counseling room. Maybe they're using electrodes. Maybe they're shocking somebody. Maybe they're tying them up you know, with uh, leather and they're giving electrodes as they're shocking them or they're burning them with cigarettes or they're striking them with rubber bands. That's what they're trying to conjure up in your mind. No, what actually happens in a counseling room is someone comes in. They have obviously something stressing them. And what do they do? They talk and the counselor listens. And the counselor is like a GPS trying to find out what is going on, what's causing the stress, what's the value system, where does this person want to go with this counseling, and they try to help them get there. So in this particular case, the judge struck down the law, and he specifically said that this uh, mythical idea of conversion therapy is just that. It's a politically motivated term, and it has no real use within the counseling world. And uh, the issue was... Uh, not only that, but also it violates free speech. And that's what the Court of Appeals ultimately concluded. It violates the First Amendment because it allows individuals to promote someone to go in a certain direction. So a counselor can recommend puberty blockers, recommend cross-sex hormones, recommend mutilating surgeries, mastectomies, phalaenectomies, whatever, can recommend that oh, well, you just choose whatever gender you want to. You could be a boy or a girl. You could be a combination of both. You could be neither. Who knows? You can be whatever. Counselors are able to do that. But a counselor cannot, even when the client wishes, help that client be comfortable with the birth sex that they were born with. A counselor cannot recommend against puberty blockers, cannot recommend against cross-sex hormones, cannot recommend against mutilating surgeries, cannot recommend, for example, that a girl not amputate her healthy breast. Uh, if you do, then that would ultimately be considered a violation of this law, and it would be subjecting that counselor to penalties and loss of their license. So that's what's at issue. So these Christian counselors, I mean, imagine this from a Christian counselor standpoint, and some of these Christian counselors, by the way, that we know, they One of them, for example, not in our Tampa case, but another case, was sexually molested as a young boy and had same-sex attractions as a result of that. That's not uncommon for that to happen. And then had good Christian counseling and was able to overcome that, then went on to school, became a licensed counselor, and is now able to not only professionally, but also personally help people. So you're sitting there and someone comes in, they're distraught. And like, for example, one of our Young clients. David, when he was five years old, a 16 year old neighbor uh, sexually molested him, raped him. And as a result of that, he began to develop uh, this idea that he wasn't a male uh, because his maleness was just, you know, abused by this boy. He then had all this confusion. He came to his parents and he told them. And they were able to find a licensed counselor and he was able to resolve those feelings. He was uh, thinking of committing suicide, ending at all. But because of counseling, he was able to get life-saving treatment and counsel.
1: So that's what you did in Tampa and in uh, Boca Raton, and that's what uh, is going to be a precursor for people fighting this battle all over the country, Matt. So, I mean, what, a, what an right. incredible contribution. One last question for you. Um, I can't help but think, you know, with all of the uh, kids now, who have gone through these surgeries, had their breasts removed, and then now are—it's just becoming, I won't say epidemic, but it's becoming very frequent that we hear their stories about how sorry they are, and now they know they they can never bear children, they can never have, uh, they can't have normal uh, sex lives, and they're beginning to speak out, even young people. So my thought is, I would think there might be a class action suit. I think about that preschool that that mother was bragging about, how they dressed up this little boy in, you know, all these blingy things and were definitely cheerleading uh, uh, to him to become a girl. I wonder if that child will grow up and remember that, and would that not bring the danger of some sort of a class action lawsuit against people who have persuaded you or even performed those surgeries on you? What are your thoughts about that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that there are going to be individual suits, class action lawsuits. You know, beware these counselors and these doctors and these clinics and these hospitals that are doing this by giving puberty blockers, also cross-sex hormones, and taking off healthy body parts. Beware, because the lawsuits will be coming, and uh, they will be successful. They're already starting, Uh, Sandy. There are some lawsuits that are beginning in the United States. There's lawsuits that are also taking place in Europe. There's this big pushback because you can't keep these people silent forever. They want to pretend like these individuals don't exist. But individuals like Chloe and so many others, they're coming forth and they're saying, look, I was duped, I was harmed. You know, the science shows that our brains are not fully developed until about age 22 to 25 that's, you know, when they're making these life-changing decisions, they're well before their brain is fully developed. They have no idea of the consequences. And unfortunately, when they realize the consequences, or unfortunately, you know, when they just naturally grow out, or, you know, for some of these people, they have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and they become very comfortable with who they are. And now they realize, oh my goodness, I'll never be able to nurse. I'll never be able to have children because of these puberty blockers. I won't be able to, you know, restore my body the way it was because I've mutilated it through surgery. Those individuals are having regret, those stories are coming out more and more. And what you're going to find is a crescendoing of people filing lawsuits against these doctors. I can't imagine a doctor amputating a 14-year-old girl's healthy breast simply because that girl says, well, I'm confused and I think I want to be a boy. I mean, that is just unconscionable.
1: It's criminal, and it needs uh, some some attorney like you uh, or your group or other groups to bring those lawsuits. So I'm just going to put that out there because I'm sure there are people listening who are finding themselves in that situation. Matt Staver has been our, our guest. He's the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. And by the way, he's the host and producer of Faith and Freedom. It's a podcast radio program uh, for Free um, Liberty Council, and you can get it at, if you go to their website, which is lc.org, lc.org, you can find out all kinds of things. We barely scratch the surface of what Matt and Liberty Council is up to. And so you can also watch and listen to Matt's podcast and all the other things that he does. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a lot. And it's all great stuff. So Matt, we appreciate every second of your valuable time. So thank you for joining us.
0: Well, thank you. Good to be with you.
1: All right. This has been Sandy Rios on
2: Sandy Rios 24-7. Sandy Rios 24-7 is growing, and we want to help you grow, too. If your business or nonprofit is interested in sponsoring Sandy Rios 24-7, you can email us at InfoAgeMedia 247 at gmail.com. That's infowagemedia247 at gmail.com.
1: This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, Matt Staber joined us just a few minutes ago. He's a remarkable man. I mean, when you read his bio, he has done so many things. Um, It makes me tired to read it, and it makes me understand why I have such great respect for him. He's a pastor, uh, as well as being the founder of, um, of Liberty Council. And he graduated, he knows, like, lots of different languages. He reads Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, Syriac, and just all kinds of things. You know, brilliant people often have a lot of different interests and are able to do lots of different things, and Matt's one of those people. And meanwhile, using his time, his professional time, uh, to help change the country. And before I bring uh, Bruce in to comment on what Matt just shared with us, let me also remind you that Preborn is our sponsor uh, and they're our first sponsors, and we're so grateful. And if you'd like to help them, many of you have. We've saved together, you and I, this audience, with Bruce, we've all saved 300 babies so far, 300 babies. And that's in less than two months, and I'm very proud of that. I really am. I'm just honored. And so if you would like to do that, go to preborn.com slash Sandy, and for $28, you can pay for one ultrasound for one mom, who's confused and not sure she wants to carry the baby to term. Uh, and, of course, $140 will provide for five babies to be saved and their mothers too. And so saved from regret, saved from remorse, and all of the things that come along with abortion. Preborn.com slash Sandy. My husband, Bruce, sitting next to me, has been sitting here listening to Matt. Um, and uh, so, Bruce, is, is this... Do you ever remember hearing anything about this whole business of transgenderism, or uh, when you were before you became a Christian, were you paying attention to that?
3: No, I do not remember that, um, and it it actually shocks me how much we are talking about it now. Um, I probably listened to that woman uh, that we started the show with uh, speaking about her son slash daughter uh, probably four or five times now, and every time I listened to it. I get so many mixed emotions. I mean, I get anger because it seems like the mom is saying, You know, I love my um, childcare facility so much that I don't mind what goes on there, and I, I don't mind the influence they're having over my child I'm
1: grateful I'm grateful. I'm she just did not mind she's grateful that she has uh, the, she's sending her child to a place that'll let her her boy dress up like a girl and wear blingy heels.
3: yeah and and uh, and then um that she is unwilling to take the steps to try to unwind this i know but then i also have try to feel some grace for her because i have to tell you i don't wish that situation on any parent i i, I you know our parents would have probably just bopped you in the head and said as a kid straighten up yeah, well, you're a boy or you're a girl yeah. Now you're born a boy, so go out and play with uh, boys and play cowboys and Indians and GI Joe and whatever. And uh, you're a girl, go play with Barbie and uh, you know dress up nice, but but not be crossing back and forth.
1: You know the thing that struck me about that, Bruce, is I think she quite clearly indicates that she said this started at two years or eighteen months. Yes. Come on, yeah, come on. Yeah. You know, and she's so happy about it. I'm sorry. I sniff guidance from parents. I mean, I don't... Uh, it sounds to me like a, a, a child can say all kinds of things, like, but an 18-month-old child is not thinking about their gender. I don't think an 18... Prove me wrong. I don't know. An 18-year-old baby in diapers still is thinking about whether they're a boy or a girl, not unless you tell them. They're not even aware.
3: Yeah, Um 18 months is, I mean, do any of us remember being 18 months old? I'm sure we don't. So how can you tell me that how a child is supposedly acting at 18 months then translates to, we have to set the course for this child for the rest of their life off their feelings at 18 months.
1: Yes, and with this surgery and all of that, and encourage it. Now, it wasn't it interesting that she she mentions that her husband said we have to deal with this, and he tried to start the little boy on a on a, a t-ball tea team, I think it was. Yes. So that was a hint to me that the dad was not necessarily down with this and trying to do something. I think, I think that's a case. I'm judging here. Yes, I am. I think it's a case of a mother who's very eager to be cool among her peers and trendy. Remember, she kept saying, we'd have a problem with it. We don't have any problem with that, with uh, him wanting to be a girl. that We were fine with that. So that tells me volumes. That's the kind of—I can't imagine parents being so uh, so woke and so confused themselves that they would do that to their children. First.
3: Well, well, I think that's one of the big dangers that we're facing now is that there is so much pressure in certain circles— to normalize this. I mean, there isn't a single thing about this to me that's normal. I mean, you really have to bend all your beliefs, I think, to get to this point. And what Matt Staver has done is, you know, wake up the saneness in people. uh, that, That he has to file lawsuits so that this can be dealt with by counselors is amazing to me. Uh, how can you expect someone to do their job and to help people when they are restricted in their First Amendment right to talk about all facets of this, um, whatever you want to call it, syndrome, problem, situation? Uh, it, and and thank goodness that he's winning these suits.
1: Yeah, really, that's, that's a miracle. Given the state of the courts right now, I think it's uh, really miraculous.
3: Yeah. I mean that you have to win a lawsuit to stop what I would call child abuse. Yeah. Is amazing to me, especially the way we preen around talking about what about the children? What about the children? We have to protect them. We make them wear helmets, we make them sit in car seats. Uh we we don't allow things to, with small parts to be bought by to be used by kids less than 3 years old. That's all good. But then when they want to be mutilated and their entire life probably ruined, well, you have to just let that happen, according to people.
1: You know, Bruce, I, I think what's happening here, this is really an example of something else, and that is the pressure to conform, the fear of being uh, not part of the inner circle. It's like this mm-hmm. this whole, uh, it's a cult of wokeness that's overtaking the younger generations, where they're scared to death not to hold the party line, and then they have to prove their loyalty, it's like any kind of cult like they like um you have to show that you're part of the gang, and the children are an extension of them, right. and they show their wokeness by what they do with it's kind of a virtue signal a major virtue signaling for that movement
3: absolutely it's hypocrisy at the greatest level because. They're hiding, these parents are hiding behind their kids, putting their own, putting the parents' own self interest to be quote unquote accepted or cool or whatever term you want to use behind their duty to take care of their children and to do what is best for them. And you better put on your big boy pants, not to mix metaphors here, but if you're a parent, you better put on your big boy pants and say, I'm going to do with my child. What I think is right and not what the state says is right or what not what my, uh, you know, women's group that I hang out with or men's group that I hang out with says is right.
1: Yeah, Uh, there's got to have to there'll be a reckoning. Uh, This is bizarre. And so uh, that was a great discussion with Matt. And we're very grateful uh, for what he's doing because he's countering the culture in the courts. And that's that's countering the counter. And so that's that's great work. Well, we really appreciate you listening to this. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Getter, Truth Social, YouTube, or Rumble. Or you can uh, call us at 662-821-2040 if you have a comment or a question about anything that we've talked about. Or you can email us at sandy at afr.net. Or you can go to sandyrios.com. And and then there's more. But wait, there's more. You can go to Apple, Spotify, or Amazon. You can listen to the podcast at our home page, which is AFR.net. Meanwhile, we hope you enjoyed today's version of Sandy Rios, 24/7.